Hello and welcome to the Gamer's Tavern, episode 19, Romance at the Game Table. Two of our guests, Bruce Cordell and Tor Cottrell, had to make a hasty exit about the midway point, but we managed to soldier on with Corinne Seabolt as we discuss gaming with your partner, as well as how to find a gamer to love of your own, and what to do if the love of your life isn't as into games as you are. So, yeah, this one's a little extra mushy, but it's just in time for Valentine's Day. So, grab a drink from the bar, take a seat at the table in the corner, and we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor and our contest announcement. Have you been looking for a dark fantasy RPG setting? Are you interested in seeing a new take on the action horror genre? Then you should check out Accursed. Accursed is a setting for the Savage Worlds RPG created by me, Ross Watson, and my good friends Jason Marker and John Dunn. It is a world where the heroes are monsters who fight for redemption against the witches who have conquered their land. To find out more about Accursed, search for Accursed on drivethroughrpg.com. Accursed is now on sale there and in many other fine retailers for gaming PDFs. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy Accursed. Gamers Tavern's listenership has exploded in 2014, and we want to reward you, our loyal listeners, by holding a contest. We've got a winner-take-all bundle of amazing games, and to top it all off, an iPod shuffle preloaded with the latest episodes of the Gamers Tavern. So, what other games do you get? How about a signed copy of Accursed, the dark fantasy Savage Worlds campaign setting where you play the monsters fighting against the witches who cursed you, provided by Melior Via. A signed copy of Tefra, a steampunk fantasy role-playing game of high adventure set in an alternate world provided by Cracked Monocle. A signed copy of Dementalism, a card game from the twisted and strange world of low life provided by Mother Oith Creations. And a signed copy of Better Angels, a game of demonic comic book supervillainry provided by Arc Dream Publications. And you also get one free admission to Con on the Cob, a celebration of game, art, freaks, and fun in Hudson, Ohio from October 16th through the 19th with the purchase of one adult admission. In order to secure your chance to win this amazing prize package, send an email to contest at gamerstavern.org with the subject line Mac Sin. Include your name, mailing address, and one suggestion for how you would make the Gamers Tavern podcast even better. Once again, that email address is contest at gamerstavern.org with the subject line Mac Sydney. Sorry, but this contest is for U.S. residents only. Full contest rules are available at gamerstavern.org slash contest. Get your entry in by midnight central time on March 10th, 2014 for your chance to win it all. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Gamers Tavern. I'm your host, Ross Watson. And I'm Daryl Mott Jr. And tonight we have with us uh, three excellent guests. We have Corinne Fannin, Siebold. or Corinne Seabolt, as she prefers to be called. Well, we're not actually married, so. I, I know. Uh, but I just see you guys <laughs> together so often, I kind of assumed. My, my apologies. <laughs> no worries. And we have Bruce Cordell and Tora Cotrill. Hey, thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thank all of you guys for coming on the show with us. We're really excited to have you. 
because tonight's topic is about romance at the game table. Happy Valentine's Day, everyone. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. When this podcast goes live on the internets, it will be February 13th, right before the the holiday itself. So it, it is going to be very serendipitous, as they say. <laughs> okay, so we like to do a thing when we bring on our guests. We always like to make sure and ask them about their gaming character sheet. This is just so our listeners get an understanding of who you are and where they can find you on the interwebs and what they may know you for. So why don't we start with, uh, since Corinne, this is your first time on the show, what is your gaming character sheet like? Um, mostly Savage Worlds, and of that, mostly Shintar. Which is awesome. <laughs> and, I'm uh, rather although, pleased about it. <laughs> although you, you, you actually, actually haven't seen this episode go up yet, by the time the, this episode goes live, we will have our Gamers Tavern Awards up. And my pick for best setting of 2013 was Shintar. Awesome. Yay. I have a very special love for Shintar. Not just because my sweetie wrote it, but also just the setting itself and the fact that I edited it. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And speaking of editors, we also have Tor Cattrall with us. Hey. Tor, what's your gaming character sheet like? <laughs> um, let's see. Lately, I've been writing a lot of short stories. I have one in an anthology called By Fairy Light. It's uh, put out by Broken Eye Books. It's just come out. looks really nice. A lot of really cool people in there with me. make me look good. <laughs> and uh, i got another one out called The Awakening, The Awakened, and that is Dark Quest Books. That's cool. very exciting. That is very cool. All right. And what are those stories about? Do you mind telling us? <laughs> well, The uh, Awakened Anthology was... Um, I don't think I'm giving anything away. It's designed to go with a new game setting that hasn't yet been kickstarted. So we're sort of oh. preparing the ground. <laughs> all right. Well, okay. We'll have to bring you back when that Kickstarter goes live. And you can tell us all about it then. Cool. And of course, Bruce Cordell. So uh, maybe you can tell our listeners where they might know you from. Uh, let's see if we're going to go back to the character sheet analogy. I'm a skeptical, uh, skeptical paradox who, <laughs> let's see conducts weird science, let's say, mm -hmm. uh, which means that lately I've been working in the Numenera and the Strange Universe, um, which recently kickstarted. But before that, I had a pretty long career writing D&D, about 18 years, actually, now that I think back. Person. But, uh, yeah. That's pretty awesome. You've been writing D&D for a whole person. <laughs> <laughs> Your whole person who used to be able to drink alcohol, although not quite anymore. In, in well, a, a person who can vote. Yep. It, there you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, The Strange just re recently wrapped up. Isn't that right? Uh, yeah, a couple months ago. I think uh, wrapped up at the middle of November. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or maybe towards towards Thanksgiving. Yep. Yeah, and it, it looks like it did really well. Over 400,000 pledge. That's got to be awesome. I'm very excited. Yes, it certainly met the the goals that we and exceeded the goals we uh, wanted it to make. So all all is well. Fantastic. Been riding like crazy to uh, you know to actually hit all the uh, promised dates uh, to get it out and ready to go by August. Well, all right. So the, after we've we've kind of told everybody what we do, the next thing we like to do here on the Gamers Tavern is just kind of you know tell our listeners what we've been playing lately because we all love games. So uh, since we just got done talking to Bruce, what uh, what are you playing lately? 
Uh-huh. Well, as you can probably imagine, I've been doing a lot of playtesting for The Strange. The strange. Uh, right. And I've been running internal playtests and also you know, sitting in on other people's games and talking to playtesters. So pretty much for me, it's been all strange all the time. Although, I am planning to play a 40th anniversary D&D game that my friend Monty is going to run uh, with several other uh, folks uh, this weekend. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to that. So I kind of dip back into the old the old font of of D and D for a while to celebrate. You know how great you know forty years is. You know two people at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that Monty does know a few things about D and D. You you oh, yeah. brought up very casually your friend Monty. That would be Monty Cook, would it not? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's an old friend, so I think I can. I can. I think I can do that casually. <laughs> I just want to make it clear for the listeners. Uh, gotcha. I'm I'm one of those uh, probably one of the very few people that ever goes up to Monty at Gen Con and says, "Man, I loved your work on Champions." <laughs> <laughs> and you probably make him smile every time because he was uh, uh, an editor back at uh, Iron Crown back in the uh, the golden age. I like to say of Fourth Edition uh, Champions, which is you know one of my most favorite games of all time. So there's that. All right, thank you, Bruce. Uh, what about what about you, Tora? What have you been playing lately? I have uh, kind of an insane work schedule, so when I get home, it's all Borderlands all the time. <laughs> Ooh, Borderlands two, I assume. Yeah, <laughs> we've played through what three uh, times, two yeah, and a half times. We're about ready to yeah. break down and buy some DLCs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the you've got to play the Tiny Tinas. Yeah, everybody uh, says that. Yeah, we've actually been waiting to. Uh, so we have to actually accomplish some trip planning, and so. Soon as the we, DLC is our reward. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, fantastic. I'm also an enormous Borderlands 2 player, so uh, that's awesome to hear. What's your favorite class, Tor? I'm enjoying the Commando. <laughs> cool. cool. Yeah, that's a good class. I like that one, too. All right. Uh, so that brings us to Corinne Seabolt. Miss Seabolt, can you tell us about what you've been playing lately? Well, unfortunately, things have been rather chaotic, so we haven't done a lot of RPGs. We have, however, been thoroughly enjoying Sentinels of the Multiverse Ah. in mass quantities. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about that game? It is a fantastic comic book-based... Well, comic books created for the purpose of the game. Card game. Each character has uh, his or her own individual deck. So it's not like a deck builder, but it is very much a cooperative you are playing a superhero team going up against a villain or villain team. Some really odd environments. Sweet. Every single game we have played of it has been just delightful. Even the ones where we lost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to the try to this game up. The actual play is phenomenal. Sweet. Yeah, you always know a good game when you have fun, even when you lose. That's why I love uh, Pandemic. <laughs> Insert joke about having to review that sometime here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, so Daryl, what have you been playing lately other than Pandemic? Well, actually, I haven't been getting a chance to play that recently. Uh, I have been spending, again, a lot of time in prep. I was actually going to, when we're recording this, my birthday was last Saturday. Happy and, birthday. Thank you. 
and I was going to put together a last minute, like all day board game thing, but then the weather happened and everyone's plans and I just couldn't get things together. However, I was caught up in the chaos both on Sunday and today of Gen Con registration. Ooh, yeah. The registration to get into Gen Con and then the registration to make sure I have a place to sleep in Gen Con. I, it's that time of year, isn't it? Yeah. I do believe I'm the only person in history that's ever said, oh, damn it, I'm going to have to stay at the downtown Hilton Resort and it's going to be cheaper than the hotel I planned on. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does seem weird to complain about it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I am so psyched. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm actually going to get to meet a lot of the podcast guests that we've had over the over the past few months so, so this is going to be your first gen con my right? very first gen con yes okay. all right That's well awesome. i've also done my uh, my gen con work uh as well and um i'm still running accursed every weekend and i got my players back who had been out for uh, some medical issues so it was nice to have a whole group together and we uh we had a really uh, really great fun session that included the son of one of my friends and it was his first time role playing ever and his dad sent me a text later saying he just can't stop talking about the game, which means I think it was a success. <laughs> nice job. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, so that's what I've been playing lately. Um, I've been also trying to play some games on Skype with uh, Shadowrun, although that hasn't succeeded as well as I'd like. Uh, I'd probably just better leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that will probably take us right into tonight's main topic, which is romance at the game table. Now, I think it's fair to say that all of our guests tonight are ex- both gamers and experienced at romance with gamers. Would you agree with that? <laughs> Don't all answer at once. Okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, what she all said. Right. Well, that's great. That's great because I think the first question I want to pose to our panel of guests tonight, uh, and whoever wants to answer first is fine. What is the best thing about gaming with your significant other? Being able to share the anecdotes and relive the stories later. So, yeah, you just like having someone to, to say, man, wasn't that cool? <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, and, and sharing strategy. It's just it's a continuation of the whole partner thing. Cool. Partner in game as well as life. So just kind of additional time to get that bond yeah. together. All right. That yeah, and the and thought that goes into gaming. Okay. I big brain. <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely picked a good one with Sean. Yep. The, I first fell in love with his brain before anything else. Okay, Bruce, and you were going to say something as well? Actually, I like that answer better than what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, that is... That it's all very true, you know. If you, uh, it's one thing to be in a relationship with somebody where you only spend, you know, forty, thirty percent of you know the kind of things you enjoy doing together. But if you, you know, you spend sixty, eighty percent of the kind of things you enjoy doing together, that 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 makes that relationship, you know, like full. Your life, it's your life is full of, of that person as opposed to only you know partly filled. So, very true. Now, I'm going to say something else, though, too, is I think all of us, including Daryl and myself on this particular episode, gaming is not just something we do you know, occasionally. It's like a big part of our lives. So I would imagine that being able to share something that's so core to who you are is probably a really big 
really big benefit as well. Yeah, I've, I've got to definitely say that it's it's to the point for me. I, I remember about a month and a half ago, I had just finished editing one of the hardest episodes I had to edit of the podcast. I was writing a giant article for any cool news. And I'm just like, Oh my God, I'm so burned out. I don't even want to think about game. I need to do something. I finally got everything done. I need a night just to myself to just think about something other than gaming. I think I'm going to watch Will Wheaton's tabletop all night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the kind of people you are. So yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of important to me and it's always great to share something that, that is that important with the person you're with. Because it's a way to sort of bond with them, have a common link with them. I know a lot of, I'm sure all of you and a lot of other gamers out in our audience know that after a while we kind of get our own little language, our own little secret in-jokes. If someone says, I attack the darkness, we all know that joke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it becomes kind of a, it becomes kind of a common language between us. And if you can share that with the person you're with, that makes your bond together even stronger. Right. And now I have the video playing in my head. (laughs) Still funny after all these years. (laughs) That's an old one. Interesting note. One of the writers on that sketch is Dan Harmon, who created Community. Mm. Which, of course, celebrates Dungeons & Dragons in some really awesome episodes. And I think about the time this is airing, their second D&D episode is going to be airing, too. Oh, cool. Now, I think we should also point out that tabletop gaming is what we're specifically talking about tonight. Uh, that is actually a more social event than, say, playing World of Warcraft together because you have you know, your friends at the table. You have, uh, you know, you're sometimes going over to other people's houses or inviting other people into your house. So how does that social interaction how – how does that work for you guys when you are a couple? Well, there's one thing I wanted to say real quick on this. Uh, whenever I was – dating someone who was in my gaming group, it ended up very quickly becoming almost like a, like a regular dinner party that all our quote unquote mature friends were having where they would invite each other over and cook casseroles and all these little dishes. That's what we would do. It's we together as a couple would get together like a couple hours before we were going to play games and we would make dinner for our group. And there was another couple that played with us. So we were all kind of hanging out and it was almost like a couple's night only it involved us, you know, slaying dragons and slaughtering orcs. Sounds nice. Sounds like my group. (laughs) (laughs) I know our group here at home is mostly, actually, the primary group is just is couples, despite the fact that one one half of one of the couples lives very far away, so rarely gets to come. It's four couples gaming. Oh, that's a... That's a really cool thing to have. I'd say it's actually very highly unusual, but very cool. Again, the majority of of my gaming experience has been gaming with couples. And more than once, I've been at a table where it was uh, on a regular basis where it was nothing but women. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes you a perfect guest. (laughs) (laughs) Which makes you a perfect guest for tonight's topic. So, okay, so we've talked about like some of you know, the things that we all like and, and enjoy about gaming with our significant others. What are some potential pitfalls that might come of this? Really, you want us to talk about pitfalls when we're sitting here with maybe our significant other? <laughs> <laughs> I thought this How was the Valentine's episode. How you do that to my character? <laughs> well, just kind of <laughs> I think Karen's going to have to be the one to talk about this one. It makes for excellent radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I, like I said... How could you do that to my character? (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, if you hadn't wandered off by yourself, you might not be dead now. <laughs> yeah, that's because I'm almost always the guy running my games. So when I'm gaming with someone I'm dating, I'm the DM and she's a player. And then I've got all the other players who kind of look at that as possibly a form of nepotism. Like maybe I'm being a little bit tricky. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have the reverse problem. (laughs) That's the other thing is sometimes you'll overcompensate. Okay. I'm not showing favoritism. I'm going to kill her over and over and over again to show that I'm not being favored, giving her the cool magic items. Then you have the problems after the game's over and everyone's gone home. <laughs> we seem to walk that line pretty well. We were playing with uh, JD and um, oh, yeah. Tomb of Horrors. Oh, uh, yeah. That, was, uh, that worked out fine. Yeah. Everyone died, so, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Rock, well, you all die. Well, I want to tell a quick story here. I uh, One of the best Dungeons & Dragons games I ever played in, uh, we played for... A long time. We went from first to seventeenth level, so it was a nice, nice long campaign. Um, but it started a little awkwardly, and part of the reason why it started awkwardly is the DM said, "Okay, you know, we're here, we're all here to make characters tonight." And I said, "Okay, that sounds good." He says, "All of you are making first level characters," and I said, "Okay, that's fine." He says, "Except my wife, who is playing a fifth level character." <laughs> what? And I, we all kind of, okay, you know, <laughs> at that moment. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. She, you know, and then he, and, and he went on to kind of explain. He says uh, she was in the previous campaign, and she wanted to bring her cold character over. And she, he, he also said, I have a very small child, and therefore uh, she's not going to be here very often. So I don't think I don't think it's going to be a problem. Hmm. And the the deal was is I think oh, that was one of the you know kind of growing moments for me as a gamer is to sort of give the DM my trust, right? It's to sort of say, okay, you know, I. This is going to be fine because you say it's going to be fine. And it was. It was fine. It was more than fine. But I think, I think that's fair to say that there is some awkwardness when that kind of situation comes up. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Gaming as a whole is more difficult once you're an adult, right? Just finding ways to uh, find the time yeah. and, it, and to negotiate those kinds of Interpersonal relationships, yeah, it's it's a more complicated process than it was when we were kids. Would you say there is a potential pitfall in leaving what happens in the game at the game? Has that ever been something that you would you have seen or experienced? <laughs> no, but then Bruce is the nicest person in the world, so we don't really have that problem. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that. Oh, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, maybe with some some people, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it as adults. Certainly, that we've we've uh, had, uh, you know, not to say that when we we do play a lot of Borderlands recently, and we played many other games where we sit, you know, right next to each other, and sometimes my character will be a little more rambunctious, and I'll run off. <laughs> And uh, you know, I will. And then you die, and I make fun of you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or I'll get her. Or I'll get her or, character yeah, killed, and yeah. then then, I'll, then she'll, then I'll be mad she'll be a little irate. Yeah. <laughs> but you know that doesn't last outside the. It, that <laughs> that dissipates very very quickly. What happens in Borderlands stays in Borderlands. That's exactly. Right. That's right. <laughs> All right, Corinne. Were you, it sounded like you had something to say. I I just want to make sure you get your chance. Oh, just as far as character bleed, not having experienced it, but having witnessed it. Mm. It, it, wow, it gets kind of special. <laughs> <laughs> well, without naming names, could you maybe describe something you've seen at one point? It'll be an odd combination of one person 
taking the character interaction overly personally and someone else being completely flippant and the two intersecting at exactly the wrong time. Well, I have seen this, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it carrying over into real life. Mm. It, well, it, so- <laughs> fortunately, it wasn't a couple experiencing that (laughs) at at our table. (laughs) Well, maybe, you know, from the standpoint of a couple, maybe our listeners would probably want to know, like, what are some things they can do to maybe make sure that that isn't an issue? What are some things they can do to, you know, keep things going smoothly in, in and out of game with their significant other? What are you got any suggestions? Talk, communicate. (sighs) Yeah. It's like everything else. You have to compromise sometimes. Okay. Is there anything you have to be aware of? Is there, would you say there's any, anything like you extra that you would suggest someone do who is a, either running a game or hosting a game with his significant other? Is there something special that you think would probably be like advice you would give? One thing that I have seen happen a lot is people who they will take their conflicts they may be having outside their gaming life and they'll act out those frustrations in character at the table, which is never a comfortable thing to happen. Like, so, like the, like the thief, the, she's playing the thief and he's playing the ranger and all of a sudden his magic arrow is gone and, oh, I don't know where it went. Maybe if you'd cleaned the dishes, you would have found it. <laughs> and things like that. It's, you know, it's, it's true. Whatever your relationship is away from the game, I think becomes magnified. You know, now that you say that, I was playing with a group of people for a few years um, outside of the office and who were in my dojo, and um, certainly I could see some of the out, outside-of-the-game interactions kind of come into play in in the game, the way their characters interacted with each other. And it was, I, yeah, I, I won't, that's, I guess that's all I'll say on that, but as, you're, in, you're right, it's very interesting to see that. Well, I guess, like, maybe I'll expand my question a little bit. Do you think you, if you were running a game, for example, would you... Consider some themes, maybe like like romance between characters, or maybe even relationships between characters. Is that something you might treat with a little more care, based on the the relationships of the players themselves? I've never actually DM'd. No, I guess I have. No, I've DM'd. Uh, no, I I I would just let the players do how it, how they want to. But I guess I've never, other than like I was just talking about, I've never actually seen anyone you know go too far down that rabbit hole, so I haven't had to take any special care. I think and it otherwise, depends things, on the group. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever find that if, if you're the significant other of the DM, you feel like you have to be on better behavior than everyone else? <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. That's, a, that's yeah. a great point to bring up. You know, it, Is that something that you feel is true, Tora? No, not always, but I, I do feel uh, I'm, I'm sort of always aware that Bruce is, you know, Bruce is my boyfriend, <laughs> and that there is a, you know, there's a relationship that you bring to the table. It's not a bad thing. It's just it's not something that it it's something I think you're always a little bit aware of. Do you think that people hold you to a higher standard because of that? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And, right. and I, I have been on that side of it as well, where I was the player and my girlfriend was the DM. And it, it does put a little bit of a, it does put a little bit of pressure on you, but not nearly as much as the other way in my experience, at least. Really? Because you feel like every single time something good happens to you, is it because 
I did something right in the game or because she wants something after the game. <laughs> but that was also the kind of relationship I was in with her, so that's uh Everything's magnified. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's probably something we should highlight for the listeners <laughs> is what you just said, Torres, is, is things are highlighted in the game that are part of having a, a a gamer as your significant other, that your things in your relationship become uh I'm trying to find another word other than magnified, but become larger and more uh, prominent, I guess maybe would be a way of putting it. Intensified. Yeah. They kind of come to the surface and become a little bit more apparent. A spotlight is shining. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay. Oh, no. Wait. Editors unite. No. No, you can't say that. (laughs) (laughs) And Again, I want to share a little quick story, but this is actually a story that's, I think, I think it illustrates the same thing, but it does it in a way that's both good and bad at the same time. Uh, I have a good friend of mine who runs some really excellent uh, games. He's a, just, a, just a fantastic game master. And I try to be in his games as often as possible. And he always uh, he, he tries to get his wife and you know, all of his games that he can. So that means she knows him really, really well. And they were telling me a story about one of the games that they'd been in where uh, the game master says, okay, and a giant monster attacks the town. This is a superhero game. So all the superheroes were prepared you know, to sort of defend against the giant monster attack. And his wife's character says, no, 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 wait. This is a distraction. (laughs) This is obviously a distraction from the real crime going on somewhere else. This story sounds a little familiar, Ross. Oh, yeah. This story is actually on my box. Um, Like it's been on a previous episode of the podcast. Yeah, I think I I mentioned it as well before there, but it put the GM in kind of of an awkward position because he's like, well... You know, he had planned that it was just the giant monster attack. That was the that was the focus of the game. Um, but at the same, so he had to he had to choose. He's like, do I continue with with my story or do I kind of empower my wife, who who does know me really well? Uh, do I empower her and say, okay, no, really, there there is a you know uh, another crime somewhere else that this was all the distraction for. Um, and I thought that like was a very interesting dilemma. But you don't think that's the sort of thing that James faced. No matter what, no matter who's at the table, you know, if your player well, wants to take it in a yes. new direction, you have to make that decision. Yes, that's true. But I think it takes on a different dimension sometimes if that is your, mm. your safety. And, and part of the reason why she did it in the first place is because she knew him so well. <laughs> <laughs> well and then, you, then it comes down to player knowledge versus character knowledge. And as a responsible gamer, the necessity of keeping the two separate, regardless of relationship issues. True. Um, and I think, you know, that might have been the more responsible way to, to take it. But uh, I, I think the final outcome was, was, was just fine as well. You know, How did he ultimately come down on that? He, he ultimately decided, yes, there was another crime. <laughs> 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 That's what I guessed. Um, and, and I think, like I said, sometimes, sometimes those, those things can happen where it makes the story more interesting. So, you know, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to say anyone was wrong. I'm just going to say it was an interesting experience. No, it's also, you know, as a DM, it's a challenge sometimes to, you know, decide you're going to take it completely different. Right. So it, it it's certainly not wrong to say, you know, hey, my wife suggested this. There's no reason why I can't go down that road. In fact, it'll be fun to do that. But so, it now, sounds like you have you have information and knowledge that I probably don't possess. Right. <laughs> So what about if um, now th- this is you know something I alluded to a little bit before about relationships of, of the characters? But what if what if the characters start flirting with another player's character? 
you know, is there is there not ever a, a, an issue? Does that ever bring up something that you guys have seen, or maybe, maybe not? Oh no, so. no, no, no! I've only ever no. seen it happen <laughs> with players and NPCs. So, <laughs> and that's and that's that, you essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I was this. You you have you have not lived uncomfortable until you're the DM playing a female character being flirted at by a guy playing a female character with his girlfriend <laughs> sitting there staring daggers at him. That actually sounds very funny to me. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> it, it's, it's, there's almost enough space at this point in time that's now a funny story, but mm-hmm. I, I still remember that look. I, I, I'm not the guy that likes to do the flirty at the NPC, I want to go get tavern winches kind of games. I don't I'm really uncomfortable about doing that. So that that was happening in the first place was a problem that she was sitting right next to him. Obviously pissed was not fun. And he was oblivious to that. I don't know if he was oblivious or just didn't care. Relishing in it. (laughs) (laughs) Which one would be better? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Probably right. oh. whichever one was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, we've talked a little bit about, you know, both the good sides and the potential pitfalls of gaming with your significant other. Let's talk about one other. This is a question I'm going to throw out to uh, this time. I'm going to actually assign it to Torah first. But if you have a game that you want to bring your significant other into, if you want them to join you in that game, what are some ways you can sort of integrate them into that? Like if you have an existing campaign that you're playing in, when you start seeing someone or if you want to bring them into the game, how would you approach that? Um, I'm probably not the right person to ask. Um, <laughs> Corinne? <laughs> hmm. The thing is, we we have so many groups going. If Sean were going to start a new thing or I were going to start a new thing, we would just begin a new thing with them in the first place. Because we have several groups from which to draw to put together just the right mix for X, Y, or Z. <laughs> like you're already playing in a campaign. And like the reason why I wanted this, I, I put this one in the show notes myself. That's why I'm the one who keeps clarifying everything is uh, one of the things that was like, if you start dating someone who is also a gamer and you've got your campaign, they've got their campaign that they're playing, but you're wanting to play together. Would it be better off for one of you to join the other campaign or to just start something completely new? I think it would be better that you just took turns, you know, play that person's campaign one week and play the other person's campaign the next week or something like that. At least to start off with, see how it goes. You've worked me into one of your existing campaigns. Yeah. And it it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And actually, uh, when we first got together, Sean worked me into one that he was running. I took over somebody's NPC sidekick. (laughs) Yeah. There's always somebody hanging around. (laughs) And the reason why I want to talk about this is I've had, this is another problem I've had where it's, if you're just starting to date someone, there's always that pressure when you're meeting their friends and their social group. And one of the things I really wanted to talk about a bit is, would that sort of pressure be lessened or increased by having the game there? Because you're, you're interacting with them and you've got the game as sort of this tool for social interaction, but... You're also joining people who all know each other. They've been playing this game for a while. That could be hard so. as the newcomer. Yeah. I mean, maybe in that kind of situation, it would be better to start a brand new game for both of you. 
I guess it depends on you know what your feelings are. If if you feel like you are going to be under a lot of pressure, the the other person should take that into account and um, yeah, start a new game. I think it, well, I mean, Corinne had a really good, great point earlier. She said it always depends on your group, and that that is definitely true. But like for example, um, I have a gaming group right now that I'm all very good friends with. You know, and if I was going to bring my girlfriend into that gaming group. I would feel a lot more comfortable about that than opposed to a group I didn't know nearly as well. The social dynamic is always going to be different based that's on how, that. That's how you feel, but how would your girlfriend feel? Right. Well, I'm just saying, like, if I'm considering whether it would be better for one or the other, you know, I, I would have to, to take that into account as, you know, whether, whether the, it would be, you know, uh, whether the group I think would be a good fit or not, I guess is what I'm saying. Always true, yeah. Now, this is a question oh, I think please. I throw to Corinne, actually. Uh, so you play in a group that's almost entirely couples, is that right? Mm-hmm. One of the groups is, yeah. And what's what's different about that group than other groups that you may have been a part of? Quite frankly, it's more cohesive. In what way? Everyone is more comfortable being and inhabiting their characters because they know, yes, I have my solid significant other that... What happens in game is not going to screw with that, and we have a lot of crossplay at times, depending on which campaign it is. By crossplay, I mean guys playing girls, girls playing guys, etc. And we have actually had instances of couple A and couple B, one half of couple A and one half of couple B, their characters being a couple. Hmm. And, and, well, that's a really interesting point. So it sounds like what you're saying is because they have such a strong bond outside of the game that, that they feel more comfortable sort of expressing themselves in different ways in that group. Yeah. Some, it might have had something to do with the fact that my character's fiancé male character was played by another woman. <laughs> <laughs> who then wound up going out in a blaze of glory when it was determined that she didn't... Well, there was just a situation of leaving the game, and so the character went out in a spectacular fashion, all heroic and stuff. I would expect Um, nothing less from Shintar. (laughs) Indeed. And the character that I had been playing wound up getting benched because she's now carrying the heir to his noble line as well as herself being, and it gets very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds really super cool. I think uh, that sounds like the kind of group, although, although I would not have a couple to, to bring to that party, I think it sounds like a type of game I would really enjoy. Bruce and Tora, do you guys, how do you guys feel about something like a couples-only game night or something like that? That sounds fun. I mean, we don't really restrict it. I don't know that we would go out looking for couples only, but you know, if it were to happen to fall fall that way, that'd be fine. I wonder if there's more sort of motivation for couples to show up for the game. You know, like if one evening, oh, you don't feel like it, but she really does, and so you end up going. I don't, I don't know that that's true, but I know that oh. with adults, a lot of things get you know, kind of can can intrude if you let them. So that's a really have- good point. So, Tora, if I understand what you're saying correctly, you're thinking that maybe couples um, that couples bring more stability to a gaming group because of that. Um, you know, I don't know that I I don't want to slander my single friends, <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps. Well, okay, no, I think that's a I think it's a really excellent point because 
I would absolutely agree with you that stability, like, you know, people coming in and out, that's, that's something you have to deal with, especially, you know, as Bruce says, when you're playing with adults, you know, there's always things that come up, you know, there's, uh, family, kids, dogs, you know, and, and whatever happens, you know, sometimes there's going to be a time when you're going to say, I'm sorry, my, uh, my, my, whatever I'm doing in real life is going to have to take precedence here. Um, but I, I, I do definitely, I, I see where Taurus coming from too, where it might be a case of if it's, you know, really important, you know, and we talked about this earlier about, you know, how gaming is such a big part of our lives, but if it's really important to both of you, maybe that means that they make an ex that couples might make an extra effort where single people, uh, might not have the same motivation. There's also the aspect of if one of one half of the couple is not feeling up to gaming on a given night, the other half can play that their character as an ally. Because there's that bond of trust and you're just you're totally right. fine with it. Exactly. Yeah. You know that your partner is not going to completely screw over your character. It's not going to be a Knights of the Dinner Table situation where it's, yeah. oh yeah, you came back this week, but uh, you gave your plus three armor to my character, and then you dove in front of the beholder's eye beam to save her character. And What do you mean I ran through the dungeon naked? <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, an also, that's another great point. There's one thing I was kind of wondering about. I've spent more time, I have spent a lot of time gaming when I was in a relationship. I'm currently single and ladies, uh, and <laughs> <laughs> I had to make sure my bass was turned up on the mixer when I said that, but <laughs> get that nice. Be like, ladies. <laughs> but, uh, but I've also spent a lot of time single gaming with couples and there's, and I kind of think it might be advantageous if it's, you're wanting, if, if you're a couple and you're wanting to game and you know a couple, they're also gamers, you want to game with them to kind of do a just everyone at the table's a couple instead of having, okay, this couple's playing, this couple's playing, and then the single person's there as the fifth wheel on the double date. Well, I think what you're saying is, you know, it's advantageous to have as many couples as possible, but not to exclude single players. Or to... It's optimal, if it's couples, but you know, there's, it's okay to have, you know, single player. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a bad thing, but it, like I said, does add a little bit of social awkwardness to it. If you're the only single person at the table full of people who are kind of making lovey dovey eyes at each other over the, <laughs> over the battle mat. Well, I, I guess that depends on how long they've been together. <laughs> Very good point there. Thinking back. I'm just puzzled at lovey dovey eyes over the battle mat. <laughs> <laughs> No, if 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 the battle mat is being a battle mat, then no, there's no lovey dovey eyes. It's get them, kill them, hurt them, squash them. It's not really mean to them. Now I want to make a movie with that title. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to make sure and extend our our grateful thanks to Bruce Cordell and Tora Cotrill for joining us tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. And although Tora's not going to say it, it's a uh, it's Cotrill. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I apologize. You got Tora right, though. That's good. Yeah. And, uh, Thanks very much for having us. It's, if you want to just tell them fun... about your latest thing before you go and where they can find that. Uh, sure, yeah. You know what? Uh, I think I've already talked about a lot of stuff, but uh, I'll say this. Uh, MontyCookGames.com is going to open the store tomorrow yeah, in my time as I'm recording this. But by the time this this uh, podcast is up, the store should be open and uh, – Actually, we're going to have some sort of uh, 
some sort of um, promotion. Um, and it should be very exciting, and I'm very excited to have it open. Is the bestiary available yet? All right, and the bestiary is going to be available tomorrow, the, uh, the that, Numenera bestiary. That's which is officially, I was about to say, that's major. officially the first thing you worked on for Monty Cook, isn't it? Uh, it's the first hardcover. Um, I've done uh-huh. a couple small glimmers, but it's certainly, it's probably, I think, I feel like it's the best thing I've written in years, uh, and put together with all this wonderful art and graphic design, I think it's going to, I think it's a fabulous product. It's beautiful, it really so, is. Yeah, I, that's what I want to. That's what I'd like to uh, promote right now. The oh. Ninth World Bester. Thanks, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's fantastic. Brilliant. Well, we'll look forward to seeing it. And uh, Tor, did you have anything you wanted to pimp or yeah, social media look, or anything? Please look for Buy Fairy Light by Broken Eye Books. It's fantastic. It is. I agree. It's it's filled with great stories. Tor's story is one of the best, but it has many All right, we'll have that link in the show notes. Uh, Karen, it's nice to meet you. And Daryl and Ross, thank you so much for hosting. This has been very fun. Thank you. No problem. Thanks for you guys showing up, man. Bye. Thanks for your work. Don't think you have enough time to read the latest book? Well, you've got time to listen to us every week, so why not listen to your favorite books with Audible? Their library of over 150,000 audiobooks is the largest on the internet, all professionally produced with talented readers. Click on the link in the show notes at gamerstavern.org to get a 30-day free trial, including a free audiobook. Or, do you already know you want to subscribe now and don't need a trial? Then you can get your first three months half off for only $7.49. Catch up on Game of Thrones before the new season, reread the old Dragonlance series, or refresh yourself on the classic cyberpunk stories from William Gibson and Neil Stephenson. Sign up for Audible today by clicking on the link in the show notes at gamerstavern.org. And we're back with episode 19 of the Gamer's Tavern. And unfortunately, Bruce and Tora had to leave us to do some things. Uh, so it's now just Daryl, myself, and Corinne to continue the discussion of romance at the game table. Now, was something about taking a secret portal to some other world. and It was, it was <laughs> definitely a, an enigmatic and unusual world. You might even say it was strange. Hmm. <laughs> Arcane, abstruse, difficult to understand. Thank you. You have no idea how many, how many times people don't get that that's an actual English word. It, 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 well, of course. It, it drives me nuts. Especially when people mispronounce. It's usually typos. They leave the S out. Abtuse. I'm like... You mean like obtuse? That's... I get that insulted a lot, but I'm just like... It's it's like the Daryl Daryl and your other my my brother Daryl and my other brother Daryl yeah I haven't heard that one before you know I I knew this guy who was fairly pretentious and he liked to use a lot of words to describe how good of a writer he was and I I always it always amused me because he liked to try and you know play himself up as almost like an Oscar Wilde type you know very you know sort of edgy and and so, and so you knew me words, in college I, and I one of the know words that. this guy used <laughs> one of the words this guy used to describe how great his writing was, was insipid. <laughs> he said, my writing is wicked and insipid. And I'm like, I don't Wow. I do not think that means what you think it means. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, my. <laughs>
Yes. Anyway. Maybe he was just having an acute attack of honesty. (laughs) (laughs) Would not surprise me. How about that? Okay, so I think maybe one of the best things we could do now that we're talking to Corinne, um, we should shift gears a little bit and talk about finding a partner who games. Well, if you're lucky, your your partner to be will have gone on a quest and <laughs> go on podcast. <laughs> Why don't you tell us about that? Because that's a great story to tell. Well, after the failure of his second marriage, um, he decided that he needed to find a gamer girl. We're talking as opposed about Sean to, Fannin right now. Yes, as opposed to just a girl. So he went on a capital Q quest to find, and I quote, the gamer girl of his dreams. The one. Yes. (laughs) And I won. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He had talked to blogs. He had talked to podcasters. And there were a few that had been planning to have him on, but something delayed one of them and he wasn't able to go on there before we got together, but on all games considered with the episode that released on December 7th of 08. Not that I'm keeping track or anything. (laughs) (laughs) My roommate at the time was an avid podcast listener. I mean, you name it, he listened to it. Make sure you get his email address for us after the show. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He called me in to hear this crazy guy who was looking for a gamer girl of his dreams. And unbeknownst to me, he was joking when he said, you ought to email him. (laughs) I didn't know he was joking. I'd only heard part of the podcast, so I went to the office and downloaded it and listened to the whole thing top to bottom and uh, then went and looked at the show notes and the <clears throat> the picture gallery that Sean had included. Some were complimentary, some not so much. <laughs> <laughs> and then I read the open letter to she who would share happily ever after with me. And promptly fell in love with his brain. Um, at the time, I was still a smoker, which was, I was in the process of quitting, but he was very much adamant that that was not something he could deal with. So I thought that my chances were zip, but I thought that it was a great idea and wanted this awesome guy to be happy but I could not not reach out to him. So I emailed him. I friended him on LiveJournal. I created my Facebook account in order to friend him. <laughs> well, I'll make a long story short, I, I went stalker, but in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> now, Corinne, I'm, I'm, I need to ask you a question because this is, a, this is just a wonderful story. I, I, I do love it. Um, but I've always wondered, what was? is there any one specific thing you can say that really spoke to you about his quest? The, the, the one thing that made you decide, you know, I've got, to, I've got to talk to him. The way he put it all out there, the good, the bad, the indifferent, 
rather than just putting best foot forward, he opted to be real, to show the not-so-happy, shiny side, as well as the happy, shiny side, um, right down to the fact that he gets man-cold. If you have never seen that uh, comedy sketch... I have not. Look I it up not. on YouTube. It's hilarious. For listeners who may not have seen it, what's, what's the basic breakdown of that? Oh, guy sick on the couch, being all pathetic... Girl still sick, taking care of him, about to go out to work, <laughs> and Laura <laughs> just being very pathetic. Oh, um, okay. And a little bell that she had given him, and <laughs> and she hadn't answered promptly enough, so he called nine nine nine. It's an English thing, so which would be the equivalent of us calling nine one one. Yeah, and the this team of emergency uh, people comes in. Don't you understand, woman? He has a man cold. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) again, I'm not doing it justice. It's one of those things. Just look it up on YouTube. I'll I'll make sure to include it in the show notes. (laughs) So you're saying the not so good along with the good. (laughs) You, you, the fact uh, that he's genuine. Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair to say that takes a lot of bravery. Goofy. What was the second part there? And that he was not afraid to be goofy. Mm. Just he, he was a, a real three-dimensional individual person, not this cardboard cutout what guys think girls want. So you're he saying he's an yeah. actual human being. He had the courage to kind of show you everything. That's what. Yeah. You're to, okay. That that's a that does take a lot of bravery. Put it all out there. I think uh, so. I, I I can see what you're saying. And, that, and he was so well spoken, well well written in that. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I just I fell in love with his brain. <laughs> now, was the fact that you were both gamers was that you know did that come into play at all? Was that something you were like, oh, and this is a bonus? Well, actually, uh, that was another place that I was really concerned because I didn't get to start gaming until I was a widow. I didn't get to start gaming until I was 30. So I had only been gaming for like a year, maybe year and a half at that point. So I was concerned that I, that I didn't have enough game for him. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but, but uh, wouldn't have, would you have classified yourself as a non-gamer, though, when you guys got together? No, because okay. I, I had my regular gaming group. So even though you were new, you kind of jumped in both feet, sort of, right. when it came to gaming. And the thing is, I had wanted to start, I wanted to start gaming when I was 16, but did not have access to transportation at the time when people were actually having the games. <laughs> So I had to make do with the electronic variety up until that point, like from 16 to 30, Mm. (laughs) whether it be console or MMO or whatever. It wasn't until I was 30 that I got to start actually rolling the dice. So if if someone were to come to you and say, I am interested in finding a partner who is also a gamer, what would you say to them? Be a game designer, write a blog, and be on every podcast begging for a girlfriend. (laughs) 
<laughs> Apparently, that's the le- that's the lesson well, I've that, taken. That uh, by the way, if there are any single women in the Southeast Texas area, <laughs> while I'm on a podcast, <laughs> I don't think there are any single women in Texas. Wait, no, that's wrong. <laughs> well, you're off to a good start. You're, you're letting it be known that you're looking for someone. Yeah. Well, um, and don't necessarily limit yourself geographically. I was living in Alabama. He was living in Tennessee and working in Atlanta. So <laughs> it's kind of a same general within four hours any one direction. But yeah, this is also yeah. Texas. You drive four hours in one direction. You're not even halfway across the state. You've gone through one major city. I've driven across it. <laughs> so you're saying the most important part is to make it known. And the second most important part is don't limit yourself. Yeah. Okay. And I totally realize that ours is a very unusual situation, but also don't expect it to be instantaneous because, I mean, he had been, it was several months that the blogs were going um, before the podcast came out. And there had there had been other people who he had gone out with, but it just hadn't quite been the right fit. So Okay. I, I would have to imagine that if, if someone were you know listening to our podcast about romance and gaming, I, w- at least one of those people is going to be asking themselves, you know, how do I find my one? You know, and I, I just thought that would be a good question to bring up for you. And one thing so, I would have to say about that is, honestly, don't roll your dice. <laughs> don't forget to roll the dice. Because <laughs> I critical hit on my heart. <laughs> that might be a better episode title, <laughs> but I. I've had a lot of experience in both sides of starting relationships and and getting my gaming involved. One thing that I make clear right up front, anytime I start even talking to someone, flirting with whatever, it's like, oh, hey, I, by the way, I'm a giant ass nerd. Uh, I love games. I play role playing games. I play tabletop games. I play card games. This is before I was actually, you know, kind of professionally involved in the writing about them doing the podcast. I would sit up and write up front. Hey, this is me. I'm a nerd. If you can't handle that, there are plenty of other guys hanging around. So it, that's one thing you, you don't want to try to hide who you are. Not necessarily saying sit there and go on a three hour monologue about your character from ninth grade or anything like that on the first date, <laughs> but you also want to make it clear exactly who you are and what it is you're looking for. And, and if it's the right one, being a nerd will be, Hey, bonus. Yes. <laughs> And that's one thing I wanted to bring up is I really think that you should focus more on finding the person that's right for you and not necessarily saying, I want a gamer girl. For Sean, that worked out very well. He happened to find both in the same package. But for me, it's gaming is a huge part of my life, but it's also not the only thing I'm into. And I wouldn't reject someone solely because they weren't a gamer either. Because Because they could be converted. Exactly. (laughs) Let's be clear. I think we're not saying that if you're a gamer, your only hope is to get someone who is or can be converted into a gamer because that's not true. I mean, there's there's no reason in the world why you couldn't fall in love with someone who just isn't into gaming and will never be. Right. I'm not saying that's optimal. I just don't <laughs> understand it. <laughs> I'm not saying it's optimal, but I, I just want to be clear that we're not, you know, that our position is, you know, what's best for you, right? Not I, I just didn't want to, our listeners to get the impression that's what yeah, we don't, were saying. Don't artificially continue. She has to play games all the time. She must love gaming as much as I do because that's 
that would be like saying, I want someone who has a body that looks like this. It's completely superficial. It's, I've known many gaming people, both male and female, who are really nice, awesome people. Most of them are. I've known a handful, both male and female, who are complete and utter dicks. Yeah. So just because, just, I actually had to, I I was kind of talking to someone about gaming. We hit it off kind of well starting off. We spent a lot of time talking about different games we liked and things like that. And then I found out, oh my God, she is an absolutely horrible person. So that didn't go very far after that, whenever I had that and realization. No amount of geekdom can make up for being a jerk. Exactly. So when you were about to say something about a, a podcast we'd done earlier with, I believe, Nicole Wakelin. That's exactly the one I was going to bring up. Episode 8, uh, Gaming with the Family. Uh both the first half and second half. Exactly. Uh, we talked a lot about gateway games and how to get people who may not be gamers to give it a shot. So if that's something, if you're with someone or if you're interested in someone or if you, or if you meet someone who isn't into gaming, that's a good episode to start with listening to to get ideas of how you might introduce your hobby to them and see if they're interested in well. The most important thing that was do not force it down their throat. Don't make it seem like you must play in my weekly D&D game or else we can't date. Well, I'm kind of interested to hear what Corinne would say if we put that question to her about, let's say I have a partner who is not a gamer. How do I bring my significant other? You know, what's the best way to get my significant other interested or convert them, as you say, convert them into a game? (laughs) Well, find out, well, A, what are their interests? And there are so many different types of games out there. Surely, somewhere, there will be a crossover. If the significant other is a comic book geek, there's superhero role-playing. There's things like Sentinels of the Multiverse. If Is it possible that Sean is working on a game that might be an interesting <laughs> comic book player? <laughs> it's possible, yes. <laughs> very distinct possibility there. As I was saying he has brought that up pro- publicly already, that he's working okay. on another superhero game. <laughs> yeah, but that's on the back burner until more of the Shintar product gets flowing, <laughs> since that lovely Kickstarter that we love and hate. <laughs> 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 or, or maybe that's just me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, Ross... What's your relationship with Kickstarter right now while we're talking about relationships? Well, uh, you know, I think it's really important to point out that um, Sean and I are actually working together on a couple of things because the Accursed Trio, that is myself and John Dunn and Jason Marker, um, have agreed to write a adventure for Shintar. And- oh, God. The, the Leechmen. I hate you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Well, that is directly my fault. The Leechmen were totally mine, 100%. So, yeah. Note how I phrased that. I yeah. hate you so much. Thank you. You can, blame, you can blame me for the Leechmen. But yeah, and then Sean is going to return the favor. He's going to write an adventure for Cursed. So, uh, you know, I think this, and, and I brought this up in the awards show when I nominated Shine Tars. I was kind of bending the rules in that. I was sort of kind of associated with it, but I am really just super glad that that Kickstarter succeeded and that the the things are moving forward with that. And yeah, I just want to make sure we don't get too far off topic because we were talking about how to bring someone into gaming who is our significant other who does not game. So you you were bringing up the idea of, of, of looking into their common interests. Things like comic right. books might lead them into playing superheroes. Maybe if they like exactly. fantasy fiction, they might like D&D or something like that. 
Or Shintar. Or Shintar. <laughs> yeah. Another thing is, does he or she paint? Have they considered miniatures? <laughs> oh, I would um, kill for a girlfriend who would paint my minis for me. I've I've actually known quite a few that do that. Um, but also, um, I'm going to point out that right now is a wonderful time to get people, especially into fantasy gaming, because there's the Lord of the Rings movies, the Hobbit movies, there's the Game of Thrones television series. You know, everywhere you look these days, there's you know fantasy. Um, oh, crap! What just got licensed? Some other big fantasy series just got licensed. The Mistborn? No. I didn't hear about that one. No, it's uh I want to say it was one of Terry Brooks's. Not Terry Brooks. Terry yeah, Terry Brooks. Shannara? I think so. I'm not entirely sure. That sounds right. Okay, well, you know, we'll look it up. And we'll, to it, but it sounds right. We'll put it in the show notes. But the point is <laughs> the point I'm getting at is it's it's easier than ever now, I would say, to find some common vector to bring someone into gaming. Because of all the things that are in our culture right now. Would and, you agree with that, Karen? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there are so many different varieties of gaming. I mean, it's not just RPGs. There's also the card gaming, um, board gaming. <sighs> There's also the electronic variety. Um, <clears throat> but uh, really, it's there is as much out there as you are willing to look for. Well, let's turn the tables a little bit. Let's... Let's instead talk about this because I also know this is also a thing. What if you have a guy, a certain, let's say, Corinne, you're the GM, okay? And let's okay. say you have, let's say you have me, for example, in your gaming group. And I say to you, uh, you know, my wife, she does not want to game. She's not really interested in it. What are some ways I can keep my gaming from becoming an issue? Find out the degree of her interest or rather lack thereof. Right. Cause if I'm spending. If, if I'm if I'm a gamer, I'm spending a lot of time. Like you know, four to eight hours is not in, an insignificant amount of time to be spending away from you know the the home situation and 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 being in a couple, right? I mean, you would agree with that, yeah. So it's not just. It, I mean, we're not just we're not saying this is a, a minor thing you can gloss over. I mean, sometimes this is a kind of a a, a sticking point, right? So yeah, we uh, have a friend who. He might get to game twice a year. Wow. Yeah. So it's kind of a big deal when he does get to. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Well, so what would you say to, to him if he were to say, you know, what are some ways I can, you know, how are some, how, what are some things I can do to make sure that this does not get any worse or, you know, to make it better? In, in that specific situation, it's more a case of what is the, where is the quid pro quo, what to provide for her that she will then provide the time for him to go do that. And there are some couplings that I do not understand. <laughs> um, <laughs> very sweet lady, but I, I, I do not understand having a problem with gaming. And here, here, here it comes down to just a lack of comprehension of the mindset. Okay. Well, I think that said, uh, uh, for example, a lot of conventions do a widow's track with like spa crap and food. Oh yeah, and there's uh, Gen Con has a has a particular uh, spousal uh, room, I believe, set up. The widow slash uh, widower's room, where it's crafting and spa days and stuff like that. I believe. There, well, there's. I was also going to say Geek Nation tours when they do their Gen Con and uh, well, uh, whenever they do a convention tour. 
they always include a separate track of of events for non gamers who may be accompanying uh, gamers on the tour. So, yeah, there there is usually alternatives. So maybe um, if if your significant other is a, a rabid anti gamer, if you want to game, maybe bribe with a pedicure or a gift certificate to a spa or some crap. I don't know. <laughs> Learn how to foot rub. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But no, I mean something that could be done at the same time. Right. If you if you let me have my I was gonna say if you let me have my weekly game night, you can have your girls' night out. Exactly. So in and that case you're saying about bring for a babysitter if that's a, an issue. What about you, Daryl? What would you suggest as some ways to keep gaming from being an issue if the uh, partner is not interested? Well, I I think Corinne hit a lot of the key points of it's uh, well she was kind of dancing around it. communication, figure out exactly what it is that they don't like about gaming if they are worried that for whatever reason, oh, this is going to become an obsession. You're never going to talk to me anymore. You're never going to see me anymore. You really need to make sure to make it clear to them that, no, that, that you're the most important thing in my life. This is just something I really love to do, and it's not something you want to do, so I'm not going to force it on you, but I still want to keep doing this thing. It's just like pretty much any other hobby. It's the, you hear all the time talking about sports widows, the, they're going out to the game every week and for, to watch sports. So. That's the one I wouldn't get. I just, but total lack of appeal. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's a, all a matter of communication. Find out what it is that they don't like, what it is that they're worried about about gaming, or if it's just the fact that oh hey, this isn't my thing. Just make it. You have to be very very clear that you're still making time for them. You still have your time together as a couple, as a family, even if you go off and do this thing by yourself. Another possibility is that the significant other in question just doesn't know enough about. About it. So even if she has no interest in joining in, maybe in, invite her to just come and watch, hang out, include her in your thing without forcing her to do your thing. And if you were that she might make it might be uncomfortable to have her just kind of like sitting there staring at the game while it's going on. There's also at this point in time. On YouTube, there are hundreds of videos of people playing games. You can pull up episodes of Will Wheaton's Tabletop. You can, I, I may not recommend the Acquisition Incorporated games because they're all like in costumes and on stage and stuff. And that's not exactly the impression you want to give someone who's not a gamer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you're all, so you're all dressing up in costumes and standing around making dick jokes. I'm like the professional comics on stage at a convention are doing that. That's not what we're doing. Unless that's what you're doing at your game, which is perfectly fine. And I, I honestly, this is something, <laughs> this is something I have personally encountered, uh, with, I had a, uh, a Shadowrun gaming group back in Louisville and a good friend of mine, he had gotten engaged and his fiance wanted to come join, you know, see what was going on. And, and she wanted to be part of the game and she showed up and it was very obvious that she was not interested. You know, she was like, <laughs> I'm doing this because it's something that he does and I'm here. And it was kind of unpleasant for everyone, you know, because we were all like, um, we tried, you know, we, I, I, I want to say that we were gentlemen and we tried to, to accommodate and, 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 and get her to join us, you know, but this was a really long time ago, so it's possible that I'm forgetting some things that made it even more awkward than than it really was. But that's I guess plenty, that's plenty is, awkward enough, dude. I'm just all I'm saying is I've been there. You know, that's I guess really. <clears> all I want to do. Mike said, you, you kind of have to make sure that they're actually have at least some interest in it before you try to force the, force it on them. That's why I was recommending the Gateway Games. If you're 
Yeah. If you're wanting to slow, take your time, slowly introduce the hobby to them, and you might be surprised with what they're interested in. They may have absolutely no desire to play D&D whatsoever at all, even though they're big Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones fans. They just don't care about D&D, don't want anything to do with D&D. But if you lay out, say, Ticket to Ride or Suro or something like that, they may be completely into that. Well, I want to, I'm actually going to bring this back to something Karen, uh, Karen brought up earlier. Can you tell, I mean, I'm just curious, can you tell us the story of that, that first game you played with Sean and maybe that'll give us some, you know, some insight into. Well, actually that wasn't the first game that I played with him. The first game that I played with him was our first date. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Can you tell that story? Sure. He had a regular Thursday night group, which was a Mutants and Masterminds second edition game. And he was all set to cancel and take me on a, quote, real date, unquote, whatever that is. And um, I said... Dinner in a movie, it's boring. You can't actually talk (laughs) because either you're watching the movie or your mouth's full. And my response was, no, I want to play too. (laughs) (laughs) At which point he said he he knew that's when I I was the one. (laughs) (laughs) Now, was was Sean a player or a GM in this group? Player. So he contacted uh, the GM and arranged for when we arrived, they, we took a pre-gen from the book and tweaked it slightly. The situation was they were all of the, this was like C-squad uh, or C-string supers going to, because all of the the big ones had been whisked away somewhere. And my character in that game was uh, one of those who had been whisked away, (laughs) but she had been there for a while and she kind of got a bit touched in the head, (laughs) but it it went fairly awesomely. Uh, (laughs) Everyone was very warm and welcoming and it was just, a really great way to meet more of his crowd of friends, one of whom is is now a co-worker of mine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, We both work for DriveThruRPG. That first date was, it made me feel very welcome that he and his group were willing to allow me the chance to join in. So do you think that worked better than if you had gone, say, dinner and dancing sort of thing to get to know him? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No question about it. Do you think that would have been different if, if he had been actually running the game? Um, I don't know. Because the, the other game that I was talking about where I took over one of the other characters' NPC sidekick, it just... I, I never really inhabited that character, but it allowed me a chance to dip my foot in the pool, as it were, mm-hmm. of his GMing style and his world that I then fell in love with. So it was very much, again, a case of being incredibly grateful that he and his group of friends were willing to welcome me into that already existent game. Anything? So, 
Go, go ahead. I was going to say, do you think that possibly being able to get that window into both his normal social interactions as well as kind of get a peek at where his head is in his fantasy world may have helped out some in getting to know him? Yes, absolutely. Um, especially now with Sean, you have to keep in mind, gaming is his life. It is the day job. It is the hobby. It is the love life. It is the passion. It is his life. <laughs> And likewise, it is my life. <laughs> and Spawn is also gamer. She started uh, when she was nine. And that was the incentive for her to learn math. <laughs> was you're not allowed to play until you're willing to do the math. <laughs> so, I actually saw that one happen as well. With uh, I, I was dating someone and she had a... She had a son who was about that age and he just couldn't not, he could not stand math, didn't want anything to do with math. He couldn't figure out how to do like adding and subtract, adding and subtracting multiples, like more than two, more than one or two digits. And he could not figure that out. I'm like, and he didn't have any desire to learn. I'm like, dude, you see these games we're playing is as soon as you figure this out, you can join us because that's all we're doing is adding and subtracting big numbers. <laughs> And then I gave him an analogy that involved crates of Batman action figures, and he kind of got it, I think. Awesome. So, <laughs> Well, I, I do credit Dungeons & Dragons for, when I was a child, giving me access to an incredible vocabulary from things like oh, dais to melee to shillelagh. <laughs> <laughs> My only problem is I don't know how to pronounce half those words because I've only ever read them. Well, I, I, I still mispronounce words on this very podcast. Including today. names. So, including names. So, you know what? You're never going to learn unless you say it out loud, and then somebody will correct you, and then you say, thank you for correcting me. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so, Corinne, I guess, so, as you know, this show is going to be coming out right before Val uh, Valentine's Day. Mm -hmm. Can you give us some suggestions or ideas or stories of things that you may have seen yourself that gamers can do for their significant other on this special day? Or even for anniversaries oh. or birthdays. You know, that's fair game, too. Dice make great gifts. <laughs> Miniatures. One thing I'm planning to do and have ready for him when he gets back from Genghis Khan is, and I just got the pieces in today. I'm okay. so stoked. Okay, Sean, if you're listening to this over the weekend, make sure to skip ahead about 45 <laughs> seconds to a minute and a half so you don't spoil the surprise. Nah, he, the, the thrill will be the, the visual of it. Did, did you know that O-scale railroad stuff is right at the right size for 25 to 28 mil gaming figs? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I've been acquiring O-scale buildings, and I just got a load of furniture and uh, one of the figures I need for bashing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to be creating sets, as it were, for specific places in Shintar and in his some of his other universes. Ooh. That is very exciting. So he's going to come home and see models set up of the maps he's drawn or commissioned? Well, more like finally making use of some of Tom Tullis's Fat Dragon, uh, com combining the cardstock terrain with the Plasticville stuff in to where it gives actual interiors to the structures. Cool. Nice. Now, I think uh, one last thing I would say about this is that uh, 
and and because we are you know we are we are definitely speaking to the adults in the audience here for this one but um one particular advantage of having a significant other who is also a gamer is that sometimes role playing does not need to stop oh. at the table, if you know <laughs> what i mean yeah, you remember I mentioned the the all female group wherein <laughs> part of the group was a couple. Uh-huh. It, it I a large chunk of their activities character development, shall we say? It, <clears throat> yeah, were were um, role play oriented. <laughs> yeah, the the guy who has the mouth of a sailor on the podcast is the one that's sitting here blushing right now. <laughs> Listen, there's okay, nothing one wrong line with it. it's, it's from very, one of them was that. Sometimes. The, the only man that one of them would ever love existed in her wife's head. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, if that's what you're into. I'm not saying if I am or am not into that myself. I'm just a shy person when it comes to that subject matter. Oh, I will I will so. just go ahead and say that, uh, you know, any any ladies out there who, who, <laughs> don't, who, who don't mind dressing up as Wonder Woman from time to time, <laughs> that is a huge bonus. You do know about the creator of that comic, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, he was the guy who invented the polygraph. That's true. So uh, that's going to bring us up to (laughs) last call. In and of itself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's going to bring us up to last call. So, uh, Corinne, why don't you tell us again where we can find you on the Internet and what you and Sean are up to and, you know, any last words you may have on this subject. Okay. If you happen to go to shintar.com. I am available there as Salasia, who, if you are familiar with the world, uh, is the Silver Unicorn's actual name. Sean appears there as Sedarin the Raven. I am <laughs> hmm. on Facebook under my name. Mostly I'm just doing editing, both for Shintar, and I have done some other editing work, um... And I'm customer service, well, part of the customer service team for Drive Through RPG, RPG Now, Wargame Vault, etc. <laughs> D&D Classics. The one bookshelf team. Yep. Yes, the one bookshelf team. Which, if you have not checked out, you can always click on our affiliate link at gamerstavern.org and go to the website and find all sorts of amazing games. And if you ever happen to be wandering around Shintar and run into an old knight by the name of Sir Stefan Draugersbane... <laughs> That is, in fact, Ross Watson, <laughs> and uh, that is my my character that I have played in Shintar three times now. So, well, is he uh, just Justice and Life character? I am going to play my first game of Justice and Life at Genghis Khan, actually. So awesome! I, I guess I will. I, I have a bad habit of not carrying my character sheet around with me, so I, <laughs> I kind of end up remaking. Well, that's them. why Shintar.com exists. Yes, exactly. Is so I need to. Put- you can put your JNL character up there. So I will need to get in. Clearly what I need to do after this podcast is get in touch with Sean <laughs> and work out Sir Stefan and make sure that he's all set up and then put him on that website so that when I play with him again at Genghis Khan, I can just say there he is and we can now keep track of him without me having to like carry him around in a special folder or something. <laughs> yeah, that would work nicely. <laughs> okay, very cool. Um, I, I think I'm actually at the level where um, I'm going to get a miniature of him at some point. So I'm kind of excited about that. Ooh. Have you submitted your description of him? I certainly have. Okay. 
because guess what idiot is going to be making all of those miniatures? <laughs> um, well, I, I understood it was going to be you making the miniatures. Yes. So sign up. <laughs> All right. That's well, a lot you. of miniatures I have ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Thank you so much for coming on the show with us, Corinne. And uh, please tell Sean we really appreciate you know uh, what he's doing as well because he's out helping Doctors Without Borders right now. Yes, I am so incredibly proud of him, both for the work he has done organizing uh, fundraising efforts for them in the past when he was with uh, One Bookshelf and now coming in to help them more directly. So we, that is super cool. And uh, once again, just thank you so much for coming on the Gamers Tavern and sharing with us all these great stories about romance at the game table. Thank you. So that about wraps things up for the Gamers Tavern this week. You know, it's been far too long, so let's read some listener comments. We've got from the Grumpy Celt, referencing our Gamers Tavern Lifetime Achievement Award winner, Knights of the Dinner Table, and their successful Kickstarter for their live-action web series. Quote, I am surprised you did not mention it, but two of the actors in the Knights of the Dinner Table show are also stars in Dorkness Rising and Journey Quest. Well, um, Grumpy, I'm damn near face blind when it comes to actors if they're not in the same makeup. Um, I, I, I still keep saying, why does that guy look so familiar every single time Viggo Mortensen shows up in a non-Lord of the Rings movie, and I've seen Lord of the Rings literally hundreds of times. So, not my fault there. But Ross is a huge Dorkness Rising fan, and he's not here, so I'm, I'm going to blame him. It's all his fault. <clears throat> we also got an email from Lauren Lance, who said, Just heard about your podcast today on Reddit. Love it! Didn't know of an RPG podcast until then, so I'm so stoked. Also, playing with mechs. Fuck Yeah! I need to do this now. I love the idea of Audrey. Flawed characters are so much fun to play. Reminded me of the time I played a void-born scum character in Dark Heresy. She was 15 and had all the flaws of a teenage girl and the neuroses of basically being a bilge rat. Um, you know, uh, reading this, I'm technically kind of cheating because this is actually the opening to Lauren's contest entry, which you can hear more about our contest after the outro here. But, uh, so yeah, I I just had to read this because of a couple of things. One, I did not remember Audrey for the longest time until I was reading this just now and I remembered Audrey the plant that... uh, that uh, Jason Marker was talking about on that uh, episode, with our, which is our Giant Robots episode. Um, so, yeah, I, I completely remember that now, and it was really kind of cool. So, yeah, I'm very happy you're enjoying the podcast, and I'm kind of thrilled we're your first role-playing game podcast, because there are a lot of podcasts out there. There are some really, really good ones. Uh, one I would highly recommend, not the least of which because someone on that show has been a guest on our show, but I would highly recommend the D6 Generation podcast. They're about, they release an episode about once every two or three weeks, but it's like three and a half hours long, so it really makes up for it, and total fangirl Nicole Wakelin on that show has been 
on our show before in our family and gaming episode, which is another, we actually referenced that earlier in the podcast. So yeah, definitely check out that episode. Definitely check out D6 Generation. There's a lot of other good role-playing game podcasts out there, but please keep listening. We're very, very thrilled that you love the show. And please note that your gushing does not increase your chances of winning the contest. Like all of our contests, unless specifically stated otherwise, we're going to take all the entries, put them in an old-school RPG table, and roll a die to determine who wins. Because it's a tribute to mine and Ross's old-school gaming roots. So, we have one more comment, which is actually, it was an iTunes review we got, which is a five-star review. Thank you very much. We need more reviews on iTunes, please. But I honestly do not know how old this is, and I'll explain why in just a moment. But uh, there is a very, very good point that this user raises, and I'm not sure if it's a he or she, and I'm also not entirely sure how to pronounce the name, because it's one of those usernames. I- I'm going to try. Deepak Viper. And if I butchered that, I apologize, but he or she says... I discovered this when the Shadowrun episode was tweeted about, and have since listened to them all. I like the diversity of topics, the guests, the discussions. The crowd sounds, however, make it very hard to hear anything spoken about at that time. I know it's for theme, but the volume needs to be lowered or something, so that the actual speakers can be heard and understood. Now, there's two reasons why I'm not exactly sure exactly when this was posted. It a lot of that comment leads me to believe it was back when we posted uh, episode 7, which was our Shadowrun episode with uh, John Dunn and Russell Zimmerman, where we talked about Shadowrun. <laughs> but uh, it may have also been, we got a little bit of a flurry about our new podcast we're about to start doing, uh, but I'll get to that in a moment. I really want to address the the, the crowd noise thing, because that is a very, very valid concern that we've if you haven't noticed in the last dozen or so episodes, we've already addressed that. Um, back when I started Gamers Tavern, I had a completely different idea for how things would go. I thought I would be hosting the show, and it would be just everyone drinking and talking about games, no structure, no nothing. I brought Ross on board to be co-host. And it was absolutely the best possible move I could have made for this podcast. Ross is utterly awesome. Uh, He's the guy that kind of pushed me away from going too far into those trappings. Uh, it, it, it took me it took me way too long to realize that Ross is a lot better at the on-air thing than I am. Um, I kind of actually wish he was the one recording all these little intros and outros that we do. Because he's just that much better at it than I am. But... Uh, I'm editing these things late at night. He's probably just landing in Colorado right now, which is something else I'm going to talk about in a moment. But, yeah. Ross is awesome. He's the one to kind of move us away from that. I still wanted that really atmosphere. I wanted you to feel like you were sitting at a table in a corner of a tavern, sitting with me and Ross and these game designers and just talking about gaming. And I was so focused on that theme, and I was so new to the concept of audio editing that a lot of those episodes sound like shit because of it. I just didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't, I didn't know how to balance levels properly. I didn't have proper monitors to hear. Yeah, I, those early episodes, I'm not proud of how they sound. I'm proud of the content. Uh, we've got some great guests who have brought some great 
points to every topic we've done, and we're probably going to revisit a lot of those topics again so we can get more in-depth into them again and bring a lot of those guests back as well. Not necessarily for the same topics, but, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I got rid of the background noise of the... All that noise. I did away with that for a different reason than I probably should have. Laziness. I don't know if you've noticed from how we're talking, but we are now recording about two weeks in advance at this point. So when we're recording an episode, that episode doesn't go live for like two and a half weeks after we record it. But all these things I tend to record like the day before. Like, I'm recording this, and then I'm going to export it, and then I'm dropping it in the episode, and then I'm uploading the episode. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit of a different thing there. But, uh, yeah, I... Those effects didn't go away because it went away because I was pushing the deadlines so close for editing these things that I didn't want to mess with it anymore. So I just left it out for a couple episodes, and now it's just gone completely. And... I kind of miss some of those atmospheric things, but listening to some of the older podcasts again, yeah, I didn't know what I was doing when it came to audio editing. The levels were horrible. The background noise was drowning out the people talking, and that's unacceptable. So now that I have a better idea of what I'm doing, and now that I've upgraded our sound equipment yet again, uh, we're about to actually completely revamp the entire structure, again, of how we record these shows to improve quality and make a better podcast for you, our listeners, and to make it easier on me to edit them. But yeah, uh, I'm rambling at this point. I'm sorry. Uh, Anyway, yeah, those effects are gone. We lost a lot of the trappings of being in a tavern, but we kept enough of them that I think the feel and the style that I really wanted from the start of things is actually more there than it was when I was kind of forcing it in the beginning. So I'm really glad that we dropped that background noise. But we're going to add some more atmospheric things in in terms of sound effects and more production quality very, very soon. But we're going to do it a lot more intelligently than we did before. We say we, me, me. I was the idiot (laughs) that wasn't doing it right. Uh, Anyway, I I mentioned something about another thing we're doing. And uh, Viper, if you liked our Shadowrun episode, then... I really hope you tune in to our very first spin-off podcast, which, yeah, this is our official announcement. The Gamers Tavern is now the Gamers Tavern Podcast Network, because we're doing the an actual play podcast for Shadowrun with myself and Ross and a few other people, and we've got an awesome guy named Brandon who is running the games, and... Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's called Gamer's Tavern Game Table. The first episode, if you're listening to this live, it's going up on Monday, the 17th of February. Uh, If you're listening to this past then, go to gamerstavern.org and look it up. It's under the podcast menu. You'll find it. It is a blast. Uh, I'm playing Kyle Rogers, a former Shiawase bodyguard turned Shadowrunner and a diehard professional. Ross's character is Ravenblood Black Wolf Deathblade. The pixie who learned how to be a Shadowrunner from Tridio and Simpsons, who writes his own Shadowrun fan fiction. 
So you can see the kind of odd couple clashing starting off right there. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, in the first episode, we actually cross paths with a dangerous Sal- uh, Seattle street gang called the Halloweeners. As we're trying to save a couple of spoiled corp kids from their own stupidity. And there's a twist in this that I didn't see coming. I've been playing Shadowrun since I was 11. So, yeah, it's awesome. I love it. Make sure to go to GamersTavern.org and look up the Gamers Tavern game table under the podcast list. And make sure to follow that RSS feed as well. Subscribe to it. Also, speaking of things you definitely need to do, if you're in Colorado right now, like you down to this Thursday or Friday, right now, go to Aurora, Colorado this weekend for Genghis Khan. Ross is there, and he's running a lot of games. He's there as a guest of honor, along with several other past and future guests, including someone who got mentioned a lot in this podcast, Sean Patrick Fannin. So definitely go check that out. If you like this podcast and you want to support us, please visit GamersTavern.org and leave a comment to let us know what you think of the podcast. You can also visit our sponsors and our affiliate accounts to buy your favorite gaming supplies and help us make this show even better by supporting us financially. Also, make sure to go to Facebook.com slash GamersTavern and like us, or follow us on Twitter at GamersTavernPC, as in podcast, and follow us there. You can also find us on iTunes by searching for Gamers Tavern. Please leave us reviews, and any comments or reviews that you leave may be read on air, like I finally did again today. This podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons non-commercial, no-derivatives 3.0 license. Further credits for music and other media can be found in the show notes at GamersTavern.org. We thank you for listening, and until next time, the tavern is closed. Have you been looking for a dark fantasy RPG setting? Are you interested in seeing a new take on the action horror genre? Then you should check out Accursed. Accursed is a setting for the Savage Worlds RPG created by me, Ross Watson, and my good friends Jason Marker and John Dunn. It is a world where the heroes are monsters who fight for redemption against the witches who have conquered their land. To find out more about Accursed, search for Accursed on drivethroughrpg.com. Accursed is now on sale there and in many other fine retailers for gaming PDFs. Thank you very much, and I hope you enjoy Accursed. Gamers Tavern's listenership has exploded in 2014, and we want to reward you, our loyal listeners, by holding a contest. We've got a winner-take-all bundle of amazing games, and to top it all off, an iPod shuffle preloaded with the latest episodes of the Gamers Tavern. So, what other games do you get? How about a signed copy of Accursed, the dark fantasy Savage Worlds campaign setting where you play the monsters fighting against the witches who cursed you, provided by Melior Via. A signed copy of Tefra, a steampunk fantasy role-playing game of high adventure set in an alternate world provided by Cracked Monocle. A signed copy of Dementalism, a card game from the twisted and strange world of low life provided by Mother Oith Creations. 
and a signed copy of Better Angels, a game of demonic comic book supervillainry provided by Arc Dream Publications. And you also get one free admission to Con on the Cob, a celebration of game, art, freaks, and fun in Hudson, Ohio from October 16th through the 19th with the purchase of one adult admission. In order to secure your chance to win this amazing prize package, send an email to contest at gamerstavern.org with the subject line Mac Sin. Include your name, mailing address, and one suggestion for how you would make the Gamers Tavern podcast even better. Once again, that email address is contest at gamerstavern.org with the subject line Mac Sentney. Sorry, but this contest is for U.S. residents only. Full contest rules are available at gamerstavern.org slash contest. Get your entry in by midnight central time on March 10th, 2014 for your chance to win it all. Communicate. Yeah, it's like everything else. You have to compromise sometimes. Okay. And sometimes it can just be a factor of making sure that you're secure in, in your relationship and, again, communicating properly. Because I, have, I haven't experienced this firsthand, but I have seen it. <laughs> Don't look at me. I, no, I'm, 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 I've got, no, I've got dogs barking in the background. <clears throat> okay. I have one scratching at the door of the pub as well. Hmm. That's not a euphemism. But, Those are actually dogs barking. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! Fix this so, in post. I think oh, I'm trying. With his significant other, is there something special that you think would probably be like advice you would give? One thing I would really like to. One thing I would really like to. <laughs> <laughs> They're just voicing their opinions <clears throat> from the other room when they don't understand English. Oh, sh- <laughs> shut up! I'm trying to record. Anyway, one thing that I have seen happen a lot is people who 